The Naive Theater of the Air presents Rewired by Matthew Broyles. Episode 20, The Sound of Heaven Falling Down. Wayla and Lily had not woken to the sound of an alarm clock for many years. Its intrusion into his subconscious was cacophonous and unwieldy. The sound of heaven falling down. His arm reached out blindly in a search for the screeching electronic banshee. At last he made contact, and after trying a few buttons, his command was reluctantly obeyed by the braying beast. Numbly, his mind made an inventory. Clothes on. Check. Sun cracking through the top of the eastern window shades. Check. Alarm. There was never an alarm. The previous night came back to him. He rolled over a bit more quickly than his head would have liked. He had to get ready. The thought rolled around his brain pan for a few moments. A checklist was devised. Teeth needed to be brushed. Hair arranged, somehow. In the dead of winter, it wasn't absolutely necessary that he shower. But changing clothes might be a good idea. People were about to have to take him seriously. Setting himself on a course to the bathroom, he slogged through the checklist, carried solely by inertia. Slowly, his mouthwash found the hidden bacterial crevices in his cheeks. He began to gain full consciousness. Fitting yesterday's events into his running narrative was tricky. It was all a bit anticlimactic. Nina's emptiness on his scanner, and the big bad sergeant weakly tottering in, torn up like an old tennis ball. Maybe, he dared to think, nothing would happen. The idea balanced itself on a pin as he eased into the living room. The data display yawned emptily at him, daring him to look, to disturb the glassy surface of the pool. He might have been able to resist its taunts, but for a lingering recollection. A message he had left unread, on purpose. His hope teetered off balance and spun into a wall. There had been monsters aplenty in his world, well before Sergeant Selden. He let anger take over as he thumbed on the device and let the cue shimmer into resolution before him. The most recent arrival dissipated his mood instantly. It was an invitation, forwarded by Major Gonzalez, a memorial service for Major Curtis Levine, to be held three days hence in San Angelo. As if he, the walking dead doctor of the Republic, would be able to attend. It was stupid, he thought, that a perfectly good living man should die while the architect of this shadow play utopia continued to draw breath. And yet it was so. He filed the invitation away off-screen, willing the thought into a background noise. Any regret he felt was dwarfed by the hell into which Haley's emotions had been thrust. Lily had his own hell to live in, as evidenced by the address flagged a few notches down the queue. He brought Dr. Antichrist's latest missive into view. Truth as Cersei. Error has transformed animals into men. Is truth perhaps capable of changing man back into animal? Lily's morning brain struggled with this. 
While it made sense coming from the avowed atheist he had always known, it clashed with Vincent's suggestion that Barrett was in bed with the disciples. Obviously, Barrett was not himself a disciple. God, what manner of lobotomy would be required to bring such a thing about? But if he had attached his fortunes to those of the believers, why give Lily a warning, if that was indeed the intention here? What truth did Barrett believe was forthcoming? He stepped back then, mentally. False positives, sheep's clothing. Nothing was past Barrett. This was only the newest in a long line of attempts to throw Lily off balance. The maddening thing was figuring out precisely why or how. He recalled their last conversation. Odysseus had made an appearance there, too. And treacherous women. Maybe this wasn't about the disciples at all. His finger hovered over the key that would bring up the net gateway. He winced and used it to turn off the display instead. There was no time for the storm that had surely followed Urizen's plea against Ahania. In fact, glancing at the clock, he found that there was barely enough time to microwave a breakfast burrito before leaving for the lab. Haley could not be kept waiting. Certainly not now. Pulling out of his garage, the diffuse February light streamed in through the Suburban's dusty windshield. Too bright for his tastes, but then the sun always was. Driving down the craggy road, he saw that the intervals between the forms on the horizon seemed to have shrunk somewhat. He tensed as he reflected that the circle around the lab comprised a bullseye. It was easily visible from space. In addition to being commander-in-chief of the military, the colonel was also the governor's council's sole point of contact with Lily, save for a seldom-used telegraph through which the council secretary could, in an emergency, contact him. Lily could interpret that channel's silence this morning as a sign of the council's confidence in Haley's actions, or as an electrical malfunction. For peace of mind, he chose the former. Rolling into the lab's underground parking garage, his peace of mind disappeared altogether. The guard detail around the armored camper containing the stranger named Mist was double what it had been the night before. As Lily approached, he could see the frantic form of Nina arguing with Lieutenant Graham near the camper's door. Dr. Lily, you have got to talk to Colonel Haley. I think he's lost it. I know there's been some crazy shit happening, but he can't do this. You have to tell him. Wait, wait. Start from the top. Okay, first thing this morning, I go try to bring Miss some coffee. Just gonna say hi. But Lieutenant Bitchface over there tells me he's quarantined. <sighs> exactly. She tells me Colonel Haley won't let anyone see Mist. I try to find out why. I get the rules and regs. I see Haley walking in there, and he shoots me this crazy-ass finger point, ordering me to stay away. I wouldn't even be here if Mist hadn't gotten us through. The man delivers two loads of refugees over the border, and now he's under arrest? Look, I may have some idea why he's under quarantine, but I don't think I can tell you yet. Of course you can. Rules and fucking regs. All of you. Bastards! Dr. Lily, Colonel Haley needs to speak with you. Oh, so you get to be in on it, too. They already asked Dr. Bitchbot and Sergeant Hardass. Only ones out of the loop are me and Harry. Nina, I promise you, I'll get as much information as I can and bring it to you and Harry. You don't know me very well. Rules and regs aren't my specialty. Wait right here. Lieutenant, I'm going to speak to Colonel Haley. Momentarily, so will Miss Golding. Keep her close. Graham nodded, reluctantly. Lily stepped past her and the rest of the guards. He knocked first before entering. Authority was one thing, but walking in unannounced on Levi Haley was quite another. The scene before him in the camper was startling, but not entirely unexpected. 
The old man was handcuffed to his chair next to the small fold-out dinner table. His face was still puffy, and the bandages across it were crusted with blood. He did not look as if he had slept. His eyes passed over Lily briefly, then returned to a blank spot on the wall. Haley was a force of nature even at the best of times, but Lily could see his control unraveling. The colonel paced angrily, as if doing so was the only thing keeping him from killing the prisoner. Lily knew it was he who would need to bring this situation into some semblance of stability. Colonel, what are we dealing with here? A goddamned FBI agent is what. He didn't look at Lily. Yesterday was still eating at him, that was clear. Lily eyed Mist, who did not argue with the pronouncement, as if he could in that situation. An official-looking report sat on the table, bearing a picture of a much younger John M. Shadler. Okay, if that's true, do we have any idea why he brought four Brooklyn fugitives safely to us? Because it was the right thing to do. We've been over this. Old son of a bitch is Washington's dog for, what, at least three decades? Now he decides to be a conscientious objector? I told you, they didn't reactivate me until a few days ago. I hadn't heard shit from Washington for years. I hope they forgot about it. Whatever you're here for must be pretty fucking important. I'll ask you again. What are your orders, Mr. Shadler? To bring the fugitives safely into U.S. Army hands, which, as you can see, I did not. You came damn close. What, did Cutler get in the way? Do we have you to thank for Fort Walters getting compromised? Ricky Cutler was a friend of mine. The United States Army shot him dead. Not me. Lily examined the old man. If he was lying, he didn't show it. But then, he was an FBI agent. Perhaps it was time for a change of tactics. Colonel, may I speak with you elsewhere? Haley lifted his bloodshot eyes to meet Lily's. He was not a well man. Lily reached out gingerly for the colonel's shoulder and guided him towards the camper's sleeping quarters. He did not resist. They sat down on beds opposite each other. After a moment, Lily spoke. Colonel, with respect, I have many years training in psychology. If we want to get the truth out of Shadler, there are more effective methods. Be thankful I haven't used them already. Maybe it's time for the good cop. He's fucking FBI, not some street punk. He has a bond with Nina. If he really has been dormant for a long time, he may have allowed himself to form attachments. Except that he was active when he intercepted her. Do we know that? We have to assume so. Well, here's the tricky part, Colonel. Ms. Golding is my test subject. A very important one, as you know. And right now, she's in a state of extreme agitation. Tell her to join the goddamn club. You know what I'm saying, Colonel. If we allow her to speak with Shadler, we not only put her on stable emotional footing, something that accurate experimentation requires, but we also may get a look behind the curtain of what happened on the way here. Haley began forming a response, then stopped. Lily let him make up his mind in silence. Momentarily, the Colonel heaved himself up off the bed knocked open the camper door, stepping outside. Lily allowed a few moments for distance, then followed. From the doorway, he watched the colonel's form recede. Nina fidgeted silently, beside the impatient Graham a few yards away. He gestured for her to come in, and she just barely managed to keep her pace to a light trot as she approached. Thank you, Dr. Lily. He bowed his head slightly and stayed outside, closing the door behind him. Inside, Nina rushed over to embrace Mist's ragged body. He let her, patting her back gently. She tried desperately not to cry. The sensation of hugging someone was not something she had been allowed to experience for a very long time. 
and that by itself was driving her emotions to the edge. After taking a few moments to bring herself together, she slumped down on the floor next to him, holding onto his arm. He looked at her sadly. Young lady, I'm afraid you may not like me very much in a minute. What choice do I have? Go on, get it out there. It can't be worse than all the other shit that's already happened. It seems crazy now, all of this for some dumb kid stuff I did when I was old enough to know better, but stayed stupid for the money. This about Sweet Lady H? Oh hell, you've been talking to Ricky. Too bad for him that he didn't know the whole story. Which is? Ugly. I guess you know we were in the joint together? No. Well, we were. It was his girlfriend's goddamn fault, but we all got locked up. Problem was, heroin wasn't all I'd been pushing. You were making trouble with your liberation front buddy, Trayvon, too. That came out when they got him. He was right. They couldn't arrest everybody. But they could find the loud ones pretty damn quick. He informed on you. I don't blame him. I was already locked up, and he had to give him something. Plus, I pissed him off by telling him I'd quit the business, when really I just moved it around so the front couldn't see it. Money was too good to give up. So now you were in deeper shit. Worse than that. Now they knew I was smart. And connected. One day I got a visit from a bureau man. He gave me an offer I couldn't refuse. They let me out the next day. I plugged back into the front. I said you weren't going to like me anymore. Think the worst thing you can, and you won't be far off. You set the front up. I set the whole damn city up. By that time, Reverend James and Dr. Stone had built a movement out of the rewire. The other cities were on the brink, too. It was too big to take down from the inside. That's what you told Washington. I told them the truth. That nothing was going to stop New Orleans from turning into ground zero for the rewire. People there had already been through enough to know the government was against them. It wasn't very hard for them to turn. And for what it's worth, I was right there with them. It wasn't up to me. I told you everybody knew something was coming, and that's the truth. But they didn't know what or when. And you did. I couldn't stop it. And what the hell was I going to tell them? Hey, I've been working for the FBI, and they're going to drop the hammer on you tomorrow? They'd have strung me up. Wasn't anything I could do but run. But I promise you this. There's not a day goes by that I don't blame myself for every human ash in every crater of that town. You want to know what hell is? Hell is living. To a ripe old age, just to see exactly what it is that you've done. Nina said nothing for a few moments. Then she pressed her head against the old man's arm, collapsing into him. I forgive you. Mist fought a burst of emotion. He had never told anyone the whole story. He couldn't have. Nina spoke up quietly at his side. That's why you came to us. That's why you knew Maul and Dr. Stone. And found Ricky out in the woods. That's why you're here now. Yes. But you weren't supposed to let Harry and his dad go across. She nestled her cheek into his arm with an urgent strength, holding on to him, her broken anchor. Man lives long enough, he can make a choice. He can decide when enough's enough. Sorry about Ricky. Me too. There was nothing more he could say. They sat in silence for a few more minutes. Then, predictably, there was a rap on the door. A moment later, Dr. Lilly came in. He was relieved to see Nina in a state approaching comfort. 
Lily took a seat across from Mist. I suppose you heard all that? No, Haley did, though. But if I can, I'd like to have a private word with you before we get the uniforms back in. Nina raised her eyes to Lily's. They were puffy and tired, but strong. She had found some measure of peace. Squeezing Mist's arm once more in farewell, she rose and walked soundlessly to the door. With a brief smile, she was gone. Well, better you than the colonel. E-P-E. Beg pardon? I didn't think so. They wouldn't have told you. Excuse me, doctor, but I believe you have me at a disadvantage. Electromagnetic pulsometer. They don't use it much anymore. Studies showed a link to early onset of dementia. Not for everyone, of course. Oh, shit. Am I bugged? It's not something commonly checked for these days. If Haley had had his wits about him yesterday, he might have called it at the border. I had Dr. DeLaw do a quick scan just now. You're live. Holy shit. I'm doing it again. No, Mr. Shadler. I assure you that my lab's whereabouts were compromised well before your arrival. And if they hadn't have been, then a satellite image taken of my moat last night would have given Washington plenty of reason for suspicion. Where? Where did they put it? Lily stood and placed his hand at the nape of Miss Snack. Right about there. Bit of something in your cup before bedtime and they'd be in and out without you knowing. I'm sorry, Doctor. I know it won't count for shit with Haley, but I'm sorry. I hope you believe me. I have to tell him. I'll make certain he knows that you weren't complicit. Yeah, I'm sure that'll go a long way in my favor. It'll have to come out, of course. This damn thing? Sooner the better. I'll have Dr. DeLaw do the extraction within the hour. Local anesthetic. It won't hurt. I don't care if it does. Take it as far away as you can. The FBI's had a piece of me for too long. Who's your contact at the Bureau? Used to be Troy Solomon back in the day. I don't even know if he's still alive. When they called me up this last time, it was a young guy. Colonna. Javier Colonna. Nina seems surprised to see you. Your original orders didn't include the Seldons. No. And the Army didn't show up for Nina's crossing. Washington obviously wanted her to get across. Something changed, and you got called back. I got called twice. And I'm going to tell you the truth, because I have nothing left to lose. But Nina does. I got called once to turn the sergeant over, so I turned around. Then I got another call. Telling you to give them safe passage. I swear to you, I don't know what in the world is going on, but I was hell-bent on getting Nina here in one piece. And by then, I didn't need that second call to make up my mind about the Seldons. But you did get that call. Yes. I did. So someone in Washington wants Sergeant Selden here very badly. I guess they do. Have you ever met Dr. Gabriella Neidhart? I have not. Although Dr. Stone had a lot to say about her back at Tulane. <laughs> I'll bet he did. Doctor, do you know what's happening? What is all of this? It feels too big. It is. Much too big. And no, I don't know what's happening. Frankly, I don't know much more than you do. I suppose I may not see you again. Maybe not, but as long as I'm working with Nina, I'm keeping you here. She needs you and I need her. In fact, I'm going to recommend that she stay with you here tonight rather than with Vincent in the lab. Thank you, Doctor. I can't promise it'll last long, but it's something. I, I mean for everything. For the rewire. For standing up to the corpse when it counted. I'm sorry that I couldn't be that strong. Be strong for Nina, and you will forever have my thanks. You have my word, Doctor. 
They shared a moment of silence, and then Lily stepped outside. Closing the door behind him, he nodded at Graham's alert face as he passed and made his way to the other camper. Once again, he was careful to knock before entering. The colonel was pacing, distracted. A communications tech monitored a small surveillance unit in the corner. The Seldons had apparently gone inside the lab already. He'd seen Arshad's car in the garage, so he knew Vincent was being watched. She was of much more concern to him than the old man under lock and key a few yards away. Lily didn't need to ask if Haley had heard the conversation with Mist. He was clearly mulling it over. However, it was difficult to tell whether Lily's input at this point would be of any help. He poured himself a cup of coffee and took a seat in silence. Haley's pendulous momentum was slowing. At last, he fell into the chair opposite Lily. Major Gonzalez called. Buzz is, they're meeting tonight. You really think they'll bench you? I honestly couldn't blame them at this point. I'm not myself. You're thinking clearly enough to see that, which makes it difficult but not impossible to address. I was thinking about benching myself. I don't know if I'm up to this anymore. That would give you more latitude to choose a successor rather than risk a political appointment. That's the idea. But what do I do? The damn republic is teetering on the edge, and I'm supposed to just go fishing and leave it to someone else? Letting go is one of the trickier parts of aging. Knowing that there are limits to what you can do and staying inside them for everyone's good. And how's that working out for you? Fair point. Maybe we should both go fishing. Colonel, I have a message from Speaker Rummel. Your eyes only, sir. The two old men shared a distressed glance at each other before Haley rose to read the printout. The tech averted his eyes deftly as he handed it over. Lily wondered what it would be like to be a cog in such a doomed machine. A mechanism he himself had helped build. His mind boggled. Looking over at the colonel, Lily was surprised to see a bit of swagger return to his step. Governor Tim Conrad of the Lubbock Territory would cordially like to invite the esteemed Colonel Levi Haley to a gala reception at Victory Arch Hotel in Lubbock, hosted by the Committee for Truth in Action. The who? A political fundraising group run by the Disciples. They bought Conrad. That means three of the five governors won't be listing much to the VEF when the council meets. And my lamb is probably feeling the heat, too. That's good news. Democracy, motherfuckers. <laughs> so... Our spy is a patsy for Nightheart. There's clearly some division up top. President Almerido's a hardliner from what little I've absorbed. Maybe she's making an end run around him. But for what? That's the bit I'm having some trouble with. To be honest, I'm a little afraid to hook everyone up today. Well, you plugged Golden in yesterday and nothing blew up. Maybe try Selden on his own and go real slow like. Roger that. Don't worry, I'll have my finger on the kill switch. First, let's unload our spy's extra cargo. Once it's out, can one of your people take it as far from here as possible? Sergeant Sevier is outside, waiting on my orders. I'm glad you didn't have to go fishing. Me too. Oh, and permission granted. For? Golding. She can stay with the informer tonight. She gets comfortable, he does too. Maybe loosens his lips a little more. Win-win. Thank you. If I might... Can I have Lieutenant Graham inside to watch Vincent while we're working? Agreed. She can relieve Sergeant Pembry. Lily nodded. He should have known the Colonel wouldn't leave the VEF dock without an armed guard. Still, he wanted someone seasoned. Things could get ugly with very little warning. He half thought to salute the old Colonel, but instead settled on a clumsy thumbs up. Haley shook his head and went back to the surveillance unit. Gathering Graham en route, 
Lily at last went into the lab. Upon his entry, all eyes turned to him. The only thing thicker than the silence in the room was the tension. Dr. Vincent sat furiously scribbling notes on a data pad, shattered by a bulky and expressionless Republic soldier who yielded his position as Graham entered. Sergeant Selden had commandeered a spot on the floor to lie down. His facial wounds still glared red, as did those of his son, who sat awkwardly in the next room, cradling the limp form of Nina, half on his lap and half on an adjoining chair. She was not in a trance state, as far as Lily could tell. Merely exhausted, as were they all. Good morning. Time to make the donuts. Lily nodded, and the other doctor exhumed a small surgery kit from his pocket. Making hastily for the door and Miss hidden tattler, Vincent eyed him, but said nothing. The old sergeant slowly drew himself up into a sitting position, wincing slightly. Harry gave him a concerned look. He was used to his father being stronger than him. Now he was beginning to look like a frail old man, and that worried Harry. But the apparition was fleeting. Before long, the familiar flinty glare resurfaced in his dad's eyes as he turned to face Dr. Lilly. Sorry if I was a little out of it last night, but I wanted to say it's an honor to meet you, Doctor. The feeling is mutual, Sergeant. Our reputations appear to have preceded us. Me? I'm just a grunt with a jacked-up third eye. I'm hoping maybe you can help me see through it a little more clearly. How about we start small? We'll take your vitals first, and then do a few preliminary scans. The old soldier's muscles tensed at the doctor's touch. However, he did not resist, and allowed himself to be guided into the main lab chair. Vincent visibly restrained herself from following, instead returned her note-taking. Harry's eyes followed his father until he disappeared through the door. Nina looked up at him worriedly, then wrinkled her nose as she caught sight of Vincent in the corner. She stood, gesturing for Harry to follow her back towards the guest quarters. He heaved himself aloft and let her lead the way. The room was small, barely big enough for the two single-sized beds and a particle board chest of drawers. A door on the far side led to a pokey bathroom. Harry saw a backpack on each of the beds sat down next to the messiest one, on a hunch that it belonged to Nina. Checking that they were not followed, she closed the door behind them. Immediately, he became erect. It was embarrassing, and he shifted to hide it. The idea was stupid, but of course he wasn't using logic. There before him was the only woman he had ever had sex with, and they were in a bedroom alone. His hormones remembered, and helpfully rushed in to assist. He fought them off with effort. For her part, Nina also seemed awkward. She sat down on the bed next to him, leaning her head on his immense shoulder, carefully keeping her hands folded in her lap. They sat like that for a few moments in silence. Damn it. <laughs> Motherfuck. <laughs> it's stupid, I know. No, Harry, it's not. I'd much rather be doing that than waiting for this shit to go down, I promise you. Not here. No, if Lily gets his way, I'll be in the camper with Miss tonight instead of with Dr. Bitchbot. Is that better? Maybe. He won't look if we're quiet. I would look. Don't make me think those things about that old man. I don't care if you don't. Well, we'll see. The banter eased his mind for a moment before he inevitably envisioned what would surely be taking place later that day in the other room. The thought sobered his mood, and he looked at the door. She noticed. Dr. Lily's a good man, Harry. He's not going to hurt your dad. Not on purpose, he won't. 
I just don't know if it's up to him. Maybe I'll bring him good luck. I'm half Irish, you know. That's far more interesting than my heritage. Really? You mean the heritage you brought all the way here from Brooklyn isn't interesting enough for you? I don't really think interesting is the right description for my father. I'm sorry. You should go. Be with him. He needs all the support he can get. Harry knew she was right, but that didn't make him happy about it. She rose and offered him her hand. As if a tiny thing like her could lift him. But she did, somehow. He followed her back out the door and into Frankenstein's laboratory, where the creature awaited. been listening to the naive theater of the air performance of Rewired, featuring Derek Davis as Dr. James Barrett, Trista Morris as Nina, Ed Rogers as Dr. Wayland Lilly, Hillary Tips as Lieutenant Stacy Graham, Keegan McEnroe as Colonel Levi Haley, Benjamin Napier as Mist, Aiden Wright as Dr. Arshad Dalal, and Levi Ray as Harry, written and narrated by Matthew Broyles, theme music by Paul Shapira. I'm Little Jack Melody. Tune in next time for episode 21, Scientia et Veritas. <laughs>